This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Re-question whether my tweets give pressure to team to face any pressure and go through his requirement to succeed so I'll keep tweeting to fans. the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. If I'm sounding a little uh, different this week, it's uh, because the, my war with technology continues. Last week it was a stolen mobile phone. This week a dead microphone, so I'm having to record this on my internal mic on my laptop. So apologies in advance for the, uh, the audio quality. Uh, at times in the main recording I sound uh, a little bit like I'm ranting on AM radio or, or talk sport. But it'll all be fixed next week for the next show. On this show, we'll be looking back at the week that brought us three points, unfortunately over three games. We'll delve deeper into the key issues that are pretty much responsible for our stuttering start. Top of that pile will be the midfield issues, where Di Matteo has not been able to, well, actually field a proper, consistent midfield. We'll also look at the issues with our defence and how it gets deeper and deeper defending as the game goes on. In a new segment called The Improver, we'll focus on one Villa player and discuss how he can improve. The first player under the microscope, Ashley Westwood. Then, as well as Jed and X Jungle, after a musical interlude, five reasons to be cheerful. Say a big thanks to uh, Leighton, Zach, Andrew, Philip, and the mysterious M. Wilson 
for becoming patrons in the last week or so. Your support is massively appreciated, and thank you again. And if you want to join them as patrons, check out myoldmansaid.com and click on the patron uh, option on the menu bar for further details. Again, apologies for the microphone issue. The other t- two guys' uh, mics are fine. Uh, I was going to actually going to cancel this week's uh, podcast, but as the saying goes, the show must go on. And joining me is Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground and Chad Wren from My Old Man Said. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. So, Chad, does it feel good to be back after uh, missing two shows? I'm delighted to be spending my evenings recording with you, sir. So, so what have you been up to? What's... Uh... What's your sick note say? Your tish bowler sick note? <laughs> Quite a hectic few weeks because um, I've been moving to Universal and spending every hour of every day of my life buying pot noodles from Alda, So Let's hope it's uh, a good university and they instill some valuable knowledge into you because uh, you bloody well need it. <laughs> the reason Chad's on the show is to keep us down with the kids and uh, keep us vital with a younger demographic. So, gentlemen, the start so far, it's not exactly 666. It's... Uh, all the eights, uh, eight games played, eight goals scored, eight goals against, eight points. Which, uh, if you're asked, would that be acceptable uh, after eight points after eight games before the start of the season? I think most fans would have been surprised uh, and would have expected a bit more. I mean, I don't exactly think it's time to be calling for Roberto Di Matteo's head uh, at the moment, like uh, a few usual suspects have on uh, social media. But uh, what's your take at the moment, Dan, for the start? Because uh, we got three points, but unfortunately this week they're in uh, across three games. Yeah, I think we'd have perhaps been expecting a bit more, particularly, you know, ha- having seen how, how how we were starting to build up a bit of a head of steam. I think the thing for me with Di Matteo is it's not very visible on the touchline. And he also seems to, we seem to go missing tactically during games as well. That's the real concern. I don't think it's a case of calling for his head. I think it's maybe saying what more could he have done over, you know, particularly the last three games to actually get us get us wins and get us over the line. And uh, Chad, what, what what are you feeling at the moment? It's definitely a sort of jittery start. And when you're looking above you at other teams doing well, it's it's not what you want at the moment. But we've still we've still got plenty of games to go, and I think the fans that are calling for Dumitao's head are pretty dramatic at the moment. You can sort of see why because of the perfect summer we had with Tony Zia buying sort of the perfect players for the championship with their experience, and he took the limelight off Dumitao a lot. But now the limelight's on him to perform, and like Dan said, he's not a very charismatic or sort of vocal point on the touchline. So a lot of fans are expecting him to deliver tactically, which at the moment he's not. I think that's, that's a good point about uh, Di Matteo has been out of the limelight and uh, having got to this uh, point where it has been a jittery start, uh, I think the, the main stat is uh, we've only won one game in eight, which uh, the eternal optimists will say, well, we've only lost two games in eight, but uh, <laughs> we're looking like an Alex McLeish side at the moment with our, uh, with our five draws. Could you argue that uh, Di Matteo... I mean, one of the, the things I don't like about the way the transfer window works is there seems to have been a little bit of a concentration, and it's un- unavoidable if you haven't got your house in order before the uh, the season starts, and that's of been waylaid with the transfer window up to the end of August when the season had kicked off, when really we needed uh, points rather than players. And uh, maybe, you know, we should have done our business a little bit earlier, but obviously it's horses for courses and uh, sometimes you need the transfer window to kick in for certain players to be available. The upshot is 
some of these players have turned up uh, like Albert uh, Adoma haven't been fit to play straight away. So he's, uh, although he made a cameo against Ipswich, he's still got to kind of bed in. So is it a case of Di Matteo hasn't actually had the cards that he wanted to play? I would prescribe to that a little bit. He's, you know, Yedinak goes away to the, you know, flies all the way to Australia, gets injured in the UAE. What, what can you do? Grealish goes away on under-21 duty, gets injured. Dilat plays three games, gets injured. It's uh, we have had a phenomenally bad. Well, you know, and I saw some information today that suggests that he's. You know, you're looking at twelve months before he can even get back into training potentially. It's a good job he wasn't a uh, more expensive player, put it that way, in terms of investment. But... Well, exactly. But it, if anything, it serves to underline, yeah, particularly in that position as well. Just looking at Delap for a second. You know, right back. We desperately needed a right back, and what are the odds that he that that would be the position where you sustain a, a long term injury. Yeah, I mean, some people were talking up Bakuna uh, after a few decent performances uh, in the early games, but just looking at against Ipswich, his delivery is so wasteful that it, it, it's, a, it's a major minus point in, in terms of the team in general. It's huge. And, and the other facts, you know, repeating myself on previous podcasts, he is not a right-back defender. You know, he will be yeah. tested week in, week out. And if you're, if you're the opposition manager setting your team up against Aston Villa, where, where are you looking for the weak link? You know, you'd be straight down there, straight into the right-back position now, I think. Yeah, no, sure. So, Chad, would you agree that uh, Di Matteo hasn't had the chance to actually play his best team yet? And uh, with Tishbola, he, he's is certainly a, a candidate for somebody who's been AWOL uh, over the start of the season for the majority of the time. Uh, he's, I think he's been fit, and they're kind of just making sure on his fitness by giving him this extra week uh, before the Newcastle game. Do you think now we're going to find out what Di Matteo's best uh, team is and now is the time to actually judge him over the next few games rather than what's happened so far? As a start, I'd probably say that um, the fans' expectations are moving quicker than the like players' gelling sort of period and um, Di Matteo's chance to actually get a proper team fielded out. Um, if you look at Lokshibola as a perfect example, he looked bright and he, is, he was a big reason beating Rotherham the way we did uh, because he drives on, he runs past players and we haven't really had a midfielder that can do that. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely say I'm looking forward to seeing him play his best squad and then assess him from that. Welcome back to Jedinak's Jungle. You join me live from Villa Park. I've only gone and got lumbered with a real pair of wombats, a Westwood and a gardener. How unlucky can one bloke be? But what's that lurking over there? Surely not. Bruce, is that you, Steve? We weren't expecting you so soon. In terms of the three games that we've uh, obviously seen this week, just sticking to the theme of the midfield, I mean, you didn't play against Forest, but against Brentford and Ipswich, uh, Yedinak didn't seem to be the player that I thought he would be. He seemed to be quite restricted in his defensive midfielder role, and you know, rarely ventured over the halfway line. But what, what did you? What was your take on Yedinak so far, Dan? Looked leggy for me. Didn't look fit. And I'm not too clued up in terms of what, you know, the extent of the injury picked up on international duty, but he, particularly against Ipswich as well, I thought on the hour 70 minute mark, he needed, this is this is the situation we've got, we've got no squad depth where we could have really done with a roll on, roll off player and we didn't have anyone, so he's got to stay on the pitch. That's the worry. Yes. 
Sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, against Brentford, he, he hardly moved within uh, like a radius of about Didn't look three or four metres. I was expecting him to be a bit more of a, not exactly box to box, but definitely buzzing around, dominating the midfield. I think that links to what we were saying about Di Matteo perhaps being, you know, if he's got one saving grace for most people at the moment after eight games, it's that you could say he hasn't had a great choice. And there's a number of players who've sort of <laughs> arrived into the fold. He's had to pick, he's had to pick and... This is perhaps where the limitations in our squad are coming home to roost a little bit, that where they're injured or they they haven't got the 90 minutes under the hood that you know we, we really struggle. Yeah, so, so Chad, do you, do you think it's a case of the players that have actually come in as part of the squad haven't actually stepped up, for example, in the midfield to cover Tish Bowler and uh, Yedinak, uh, either not being fit or not being 100%? Yeah, I probably definitely agree with that. We saw flashes of um, Yednak's quality against uh, Brentford with the uh, sliding tackles and things like that. But like you said, I didn't, he, didn't, he didn't dominate the field, the midfield at all. And I think a lot of expectations have been on Gary Gardner's shoulders this season as a sort of big player for us. Even yeah. if he was going to be the player to come off the bench and do both as a box-to-box midfielder. But his final pass, well, his pass at all has just been lacking a lot at the moment. Like He gives away the ball. He gave away the ball for uh, goals against Brentford. It's, it's almost like he's playing with nerves. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem to be sharp a, enough, does he? And yeah. That that you know, I think there was a, there was a, sh- a shot he had against because he seemed to arrive in the starting lineup against Forest, and, and you sort of wonder whether Di Matteo gone when he pl- he's played for them. You know, it's a big game at Villa Park; he'll be up for it. Uh, looked like rabbit in the headlights. You know, he, he pinged one into the middle of the hot end. He gave away you know, the ball for the goal. And he's jogging around the pitch. The passing was <laughs> scary. Um, yeah. And well, you know, we joke, but a midfield of Gardner and Westwood does does worry me. Well, we'll talk about Westwood uh, in a in a little while because I think he uh, always uh, throws up a debate. And there's, there's still people who think you know he is a person who can be the fulcrum of the uh, the Villa midfield. But we'll we'll get to that in a in a second. In terms of in terms of the three games. Uh, that have passed since we last spoke. The Forest game threw up a, a discussion that after Villa had gone in ahead and, you know, what happened essentially was just Stead came on and then suddenly we were uh, firing on all cylinders with all the strikers and it seemed the best form of uh, defence was to attack after we went 2-1 up because we looked always looked the more lightly. But there's certain people have said that Di Matteo should have thrown on a, another midfielder straight away as soon as... Uh, just dead scored the goal to put us 2-1 up. But, you know, there was still like a good 15 minutes to say left. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I, I think it was subtler than that. I think we seen, I think word came out from the bench that we were quite happy. We were quite happy at 2-1. And we seemed to stop. We were absolutely on top. We were attacking. We were all over Forest. And, and when Gestet, and we scored two goals very quickly, they were on their knees. And then yeah. we just seemed to go... Oh, that's it. And we went deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is something that's carried on through the other fixtures where you think, hang on, what, you know, is this the natural way that the team's playing? It didn't seem logical from Gested scoring that second goal at the whole 10 to us suddenly going, hang on, we're done now. That, that's where my question mark for Dim- around Di Matteo comes from, really, that we had had Forrest by the throat and we seem to back off. Yeah, I mean, just referring to the the defending deep, uh, what I noticed against Brentford, uh, I mean, we were sat there, we couldn't understand why every time we were defending a corner, there was no Villa player at the halfway line, like no striker as as an out ball. It was kind of like defending for the the last five minutes where we put everybody in the box, but we seemed to defend deep from the off, you know, all the way through the game, which... uh, 
shortens it, the chances for obviously a counter attack if you've got nobody standing around the centre. So I think Brentford they kept two back anyway. I think until they realised, oh, hang on a minute, there's, they're not leaving anybody out. Well, particularly when you've got a player like AU in the team, and I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, and he can frustrate. But if the ball breaks, you know, he, he has. He's one of those players who's got the knack. He, he might not necessarily run the channel, but it's very hard to get the ball off him. He's normally dragging three or four players yeah. along with him. Mm. And that was the strange thing, particularly against Forest, where we just seemed to, it's like a switch went off and it was that, right, we've got, we're ahead, that's it now. And it was, you know, we was, I was saying that in, in the whole end and it was so like watching an Italian football team from the 90s. It was unreal where they'd got ahead and they just shut down. It was like Syria every Sunday afternoon where you go, well, this game's over now. So, so Chad, out of the three draws, which which do you think was the best draw and which do you think was uh, the most kind of frustrating? I'd probably say the nil-nil was the best draw, the most recent game, because of the fact that Ipswich did a job on us so well that they almost battered us towards the end of the game and we managed to hold on, even though I thought we'd break, um, for, a bit of a, for a bit of luck ourselves. And then uh, it's quite tough to pick between the two other fixtures, I suppose, but I'd actually probably say Brentford, because coming into the game, despite them beating uh, Brighton um, prior. Yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw it as a must win. I saw it as we have to win this game to push on now. And we, we got our first goal and we looked like it. And then we just completely sat back, shut down and did the worst thing you possibly can. If you're up against a team, the best thing to do is keep the ball. We, yeah. we, saw, we looked like we're lacking on fitness a little bit anyway. And also we looked completely clueless when it comes to any sort of counter-attacking for ourselves and yeah and as, as Dan said we just got deeper and deeper and deeper against Brentford and mm. I mean I, I had the same feeling I thought uh, despite winning you know I think they beat Brighton 2-0 I still thought and after we knew 1-0 up it just thought that was going to spark us off to kick on but uh, as you stated it just kind of reversed everything we got deeper and deeper and deeper and didn't seem to have any drive to uh, get a second goal and you know all it needed was the second goal and it was game over Brentford celebrated that as if they won the Champions League I think a few Villa fans were winding him up before the game on social media saying uh, who who are you anyway and uh, you're a pub team aren't you and all that kind of stuff so uh, they were obviously came fired up, but I don't think they were that impressive uh, over the first 45 minutes or so. I think they're like a lot of teams that we've... I mean, we have say a lot of teams, but we're only eight, eight games in. But I think teams get to a point in the game against us and they realise that we've run out of ideas or, or, or fatigue, one or the other. My, my big worry is that this is a big tactical problem that we've got, that we get ahead or we, we, we get on top and then we don't actually know, you know, is this a mentality problem for the football club? We actually don't know how to win football games. And I, I thought there was something strange about Codger, actually, that coming into the team. He's, he's got a... He doesn't know when he's beaten. And you look around the squad, and there's a number of players that always seem beaten by default. Still, yeah. you know, and you know, yeah. we'll get to them later, I'm sure. But you know, against Brentford, he scores a fantastic goal. Even against Ipswich, he, he was the man doing the running. And, and against Forest, I mean, yeah, Codger absolutely terrorised Forest. I thought that was his best game of the three against Forest. Absolutely, all, all that was missing was missing was a hat trick. Definitely, I think we're doing it forward forward wise. Apart from sticking the ball in the next, we've only had eight goals in eight games. Uh, the fact that we're fourth in the league in terms of shots and AU is is actually the on average the top. He has three point three shots per game, and that's number one in terms of uh, forwards in in the league. Although he hasn't scored yet, and instead is somebody who. Uh, with the firepower we've got, it's probably uh, more of a, a guy to come off the bench. And he's in, I think it's who whoscored.com who do the, collate the stats. He's one of the players of the season so far in terms of the forwards. So it is a strange one. It's just, is it just a case of they're not sticking the ball in the net, Chad? 
I suppose so, yeah. Uh, Ipswich was a stark contrast in the fact that we had so many shots but failed to um, get any on target. You look at that golden chance that RU had, if he was a bit quicker to the ball, a bit more on fire, a bit more clinical, then that would have been a 1-0. Yeah, I definitely do think it's that because we have had the chances to put games away and we haven't yet. So, yeah, 100%. You're optimistic that it will come or uh, do you think it's a problem? Well, it's definitely a problem if McCormack isn't playing because I feel like he's the one who's creating the chances. Whenever he's on the pitch, we seem to get chances come out of in a lot of very good areas. And yeah. when he went off against Brentford for the second half, like he said, we had no cutting edge at all. Ipswich, um, no shots on target. Yeah, so he's a big player. So if we can get him fit and get him running things, then I am optimistic. As well as the uh, one win in eight stat, the other big stat that's a uh, concern is dropping nine points from winning positions, which is obviously number one in the league at the moment. Where, where do you think defence factors into this? Because I thought they were they they did a good job against Ipswich because Ipswich Ipswich's defence. I mean, they essentially parked the bus every time a Villa player got the ball around the eighteen yard box. There was about three or four bodies in in front of him, and once Villa had run out of ideas, then obviously as we as we mentioned, Ipswich just went on the. Uh, well, battered us in the last five minutes in the eight minutes of injury time. And the defence actually stood up. Why didn't they stand up in the previous games, Dan? Well, I, I challenge the fact that, that they stood up against Ipswich. I know we, I know we went, we, we left with a, with a point, but, you know, I think back to the game, we were being absolutely battered. We, and we were ultimately, we were saved by the post, which was good fortune, and a great heady clearance by Codger. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And Sissoko too. I mean, it's in a, an almost identical thing. And I thought what, yeah. that, what that exposed over those eight minutes, because I think there was a period where there was two or three consecutive corners. The lack of height on our two centre-halves, that was the first time, I mean, you've mentioned it in some of the earlier podcasts. I've not really thought about yeah. it personally, but it was the first time I thought, Hang on a minute, because Ipswich loaded the box and we needed the height of our of our strikers. And this might be why we actually don't have anyone up the pitch as, a, as an outball, because we've we've got no height else. But why not leave, as we've already discussed, why not leave AU on the uh, halfway line? Because you get the ball to him and he can, occupy, yeah. he, he can occupy whatever's up there. I mean, maybe. I just wonder whether we have to put the extra men back to compensate, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. 
the defence, it's it's a funny one, I think, especially trying to link it into what we've just been talking about in terms of goals. We we, we don't have many goals around the team either, and that that's what you know. We have lots of shots, but if it's not our strikers scoring the goals, it's you know. I was looking across before we we started the podcast. No goals from defence or midfield. It's we need to play more as a team. Perhaps that's what what the overriding thing is, and and I've been wondering about this a little bit. That having got having gone through the last three games, are we are we suffering a little bit for having tried to get players in and gel them? And right, this is our this is our pr- promotion push. If anything, we look disjointed. Yeah, I think. Well, as you know, as as we've discussed, uh, I think we'd look disjointed just because the fact that in no game has, for example, uh, De Matteo been able to play Grealish on the left, Adama on the right. And then Tishbola and Yedinak in the middle, which is defensively, it's the strongest uh, midfield in the middle. And then it's the most balanced on the wings going forward in terms of creating chances. And if you've got McCormack in there to link up uh, Adoma and Grealish as well, left or right, suddenly it's a bit more of a cohesive unit going forward. And we haven't, you know, he hasn't been able to play play that setup yet, regardless of who's up top. And you probably have Codger there as the main number nine. I mean, he playing Codger out on the right coming in, uh, I don't think is as effective as having him as the main man up front. Would you agree? Uh, I definitely agree with the statement that you said that Codger doesn't look as effective from the right wing. I definitely think we should play him as a striker rather than a two on, on his own. I thought his link-up play was very good with his other striker as well. But going on to that point about midfielders, yeah. um, that he hasn't had the chance to ha- and, uh, feel the strongest midfield, and that is the strongest midfield you know. It's a worrying thought if Shibola is to get a long-term injury or be a sick note throughout the season, because I feel like um, our other three first-team midfielders are all defensive, defensively minded. Like You'd think that Gary Gardner offers something can... Yeah. He showed himself um, a Nottingham Forest that he can score goals from midfield. But at the moment, him and West would look log for like in terms of the fact that they don't offer anything, that they will not beat a man. Yeah, I mean, well, Gary Gardner also scored goals in the, uh, the the academy in the youth team for Villa. And, you know, he was a great dead ball specialist, can hit a ball from outside the box. But he just doesn't seem to have the confidence to actually step up in the opposition's half and kind of dictate passes and also uh, impose himself into these positions where he can get a shot on well, target. Well, the show's been a bit serious at the moment, but uh, we're going to start a new uh, segment. Uh, It's actually inspired by the club putting a video on social media where they ask the players which part of the game they should improve on. Uh, Which so we thought it was a good idea every week to have just one one player, and we'll talk about how he can improve. And uh, I don't think there's a better player to start with in terms of lifting the mood on the podcast than uh, Ashley Westwood. Ashley Westwood, for the first three minutes of that game against Ipswich, was was playing amazing. He was linking up midfield, switching play with long balls that were landing on the sixpence, and then he just became his own kind of negative self. Dan, how does Ashley Westwood improve to be an integral part of this promotion machine that we're trying to create here? Well, I think if we issued him with a with a, a compass so that he can go forward, for God's sake, I think that that would be a, a fantastic start. Listen, I, I got. I want to be positive about Westwood, and you know he was signed, and and I, and I do wonder whether we've coached the good things out of him over the years. But we we need more from him, and you know we've got new signings in in Yedinak and in in Tushbola, and if they're fit, you have to wonder whether Westwood will be the fall guy. But if they're not available, 
He has to be better than he is. He has to be, you know, he has to show more than just two or three minutes, the, the odd pass here or there. You know, it's not always a case of taking the easy ball, the easy square ball. You know, he's so maligned for it. It's 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 a tired old joke, isn't it, amongst fans that, you know, where is the incisive pass through? And there's, I could go on. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like we mentioned uh, Ipswich parking the, uh, the bus, especially in the early part of the game against Villa. And that's when you don't need players just to be passing it back or passing it across the front of the 18 you need them to come up with something a bit different and I mean he started the game well but then he just reverted back to form I mean I, I always remember against Newcastle the last away sorry the last game of last season where he, he was on the edge of the 18 yard box uh, and he had a man to beat and instead of uh, sliding slide ruling a pass to a forward or trying to take that man on he just turned around and passed it all the way back to the halfway line and there's nothing I, mean, I think the whole 10 booed at that moment because there's nothing more frustrating well, look at but the other a, part of his. Sorry to interrupt. Look at the other part of the game where you know that that's the offensive part of that that we need from him that he's not delivering. Look at the defensive bit against Forest where I think Gardner had lost the ball. He busts an absolute gut to get to the Forest uh, player who's on the byline, miles from goal, but he gets past him so easily into a goal-scoring position, and they ultimately score from it. And you think, well, what, what, what if he's not in the team? What, what do we actually miss? Actually, on the video that I mentioned, the thing that he said he could improve about his game is to score goals, and totally agree with that. Somebody who's meant to be billed as somebody who's a tidy player, who uh, has decent technique, should be scoring more goals. Uh, Chad, how, how would you improve him? Well, I don't actually think there is a way to improve him, but certainly a way to improve the Villa side, and that's to just give him to, give him to another, another team, to be fair, <laughs> and uh, get a new midfielder. So, I mean, I would imagine that what's already happened uh, and also with uh, Tish Bowler's uh, repeated absence, that I think a new midfielder will, will be on his way in the January window, would you, would you say, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have thought we'd, we'd definitely need to strengthen there. Meanwhile, in the rest of the championship, uh, what, what's been happening? The, uh, the adage of any team can beat any team uh, certainly came to roost when uh, Wolves managed to uh, pull off a win at St. James's Park, which uh, I think it was good to peg Newcastle back, peg a two there, because uh, if they won that and they were going into the game uh, at Villa Park, uh, I think they would be uh, pretty confident. Although maybe it's just like prodding the hornet's nest. Maybe that will uh, invigorate them. Well, that's the third game they've lost, isn't it? And, you know, they, they sit third despite that. I think it's quite telling that Norwich and Newcastle are, you know, they're second and third respectively. You, you've just got to get some momentum in this division, you know. Because, I mean, you would argue that those teams haven't found their strides yet, but still managed to be up there. I mean, I, I think if Villa, there's this thing, well, you know, new, new squads, new season, new league, blah, 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 they've got to find their feet. But I'm sorry, but you buy X amount of players for that amount of money and you're buying proven championship players, regardless of the injuries at this stage, there's certain games that we should have seen out and we should be now on 13, 14, 15 points saying, well, you know, we're still finding our feet at the moment. So uh, at least we're in the mix. It's puzzling when you look down the teams because, you know, I didn't think Huddersfield were any great shakes at uh, Villa Park. You know, top clear by two points. Barnsley sit in fourth, yet they lost to Reading at the weekend. Blues are in fifth. I mean, what? You know, Brentford who go and beat stick five past past Preston. Brentford, I was looking forward to seeing them and I was disappointed in them. And, and the fact that I was disappointed in them and they managed to draw against Villa sums up where Villa are at this moment. I mean, Wolves, what the hell are they playing at the moment? They, they don't know if they're going to win, draw or lose a game <laughs> against any team, but they still managed to... Uh, 
beyond 12 points. I actually think that's not the whole league, to be honest. It's not even about quality when it comes into games. It's about whether the side will turn up. Because if you look at the way um, we drew against Forest 2-2 and then they go and get given a game by Rotherham. We were writing off Rotherham as um, a team that would just be cut off at the bottom of the league and yet they're giving people a game as well. It just shows. Especially with the new yeah, I mean, we're we're actually only two draws better off, so that we're we're actually on their on their level. And same with Derby. I mean, Derby can't even they've scored two goals this season, which uh, considering they had a robust championship team last season, is is kind of astonishing. If I was putting money on a team at this stage to get promoted, one of the two spots, I'd probably go for Norwich uh, above Newcastle and Huddersfield. Well, Norwich will probably be quite looking forward to this weekend because they they go they're at home to to Burton, whilst Newcastle come to Villa, where you know that that could go either way, I suppose. What is sorry? What is interesting from a from a Villa point of view is. In the next two games, we're playing uh, two of the teams that have scored the most goals so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle and I think Forest are tied on 16, so we've got Newcastle and then the top scorers are Barnsley with uh, a nine, 19 goals. I, I was wondering whether we, we've got a bit of a hangover from Premier League syndrome, really, where you get set up for matches not to lose. And, and this is a division where, I mean, Chad said, you know, t- t- teams are, it's who turns up, but it, it's a winning league, isn't it? It's There, there yeah. are very few nil-nils, one-ones. We, we seem to be the, the specialists, don't we, turning up yeah. and thinking, well, well, let's not lose this one, lads. So the next three games we play are against teams who all of them haven't had draws yet. They've either won or lost. Villa, you know, really have got to go for the throat a bit more. Anyway, gentlemen, moving on swiftly. I don't want to say it's do or die, but just finally on the Newcastle thing, do you think it's a must win or a must not lose for automatic promotion? I think it will probably tell us whether this is a two-year plan or a one-year plan. Hmm. If Newcastle win, they are 10 points ahead of us after Mm. nine games. That is disappointing in any event, I think. Uh, I I think it's disgraceful. I'll put it out there. Yeah, I, I do too. I think given the level level of investment, and it will say a lot about Dimitri, I think, the Newcastle game, because will he get it? Will he get the fact that... Because Newcastle came down as bad as Villa, in my view. I think that we've mentioned before that that home game at Villa Park, the back end of last season... They were they were marginally better than us, you know. Granted, they were flummoxed by inflatables being thrown at them, but they were marginally better. And yeah, but I mean, overall, as bad. That's no, bad. no, 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 no! Nobody touches our seventeen points. <laughs> well, we we were playing the Lescott Joker card most of the season, so I I think it'll be a real test. What you don't want to happen is Newcastle to come to Villa Park and absolutely spank us, and it could set the season onto a bit of a nasty tone. I think. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find out soon enough. But I definitely, if we uh, if we lose that, then forget about automatic promotion and. Yes, it's only nine nine games gone, but uh, when you're ten points behind already against a team who pretty much would fancy their chances against any any other team in this league. Well, this league's about statements, I think, and Newcastle have been making a lot of them recently with obviously wins against QPR of such high margins, and it's time we started making ones to sort of show people that we are serious promotion. We've had a bumpy start, so let's turn it around now. It is a very big game and also the fact that Newcastle have lost shows us the formulas to beat them and we'll have to rely on Di Matteo to actually show his quality in this game because he'll have a lot of players back
Right, and now uh, let's close up with the five reasons to be cheerful as Villa fans this week. I'm going to go for the first one, and uh, I think the obvious one is uh, J.K. Jonathan Codger got his first goal and uh, keeps showing that he's a real handful. Would you agree? Yeah, it looks like a top-quality signing to me. The front two I want to see, if, uh, let's say, Grealish and uh, Adama play, would be uh, McCormack and uh, Codger up front. Probably Codger as the front man, McCormack playing kind of behind him. I mean, who would be your ideal two up front if you had to choose two? To start, um, I probably have to agree with you, but um, I like the look of your stead, to be honest, against Rotherham and and against uh, Nottingham Forest as well, because he he fashioned that goal from the cross very well. Yeah. So probably Gisted as a sort of second option to that as well. We've got problems in various positions, but in terms of uh, the forward line, the the only problems we have are who to play. I wouldn't say it's an embarrassment of riches, but in terms of Championship strikers, it's uh, it's a pretty good problem to have as long as you get it right. Who would you go for, Dan, if you had to choose two out of the the, of the four? Oh, it's, it's a refreshing problem, I suppose. Definitely Codger, I think, is, is the out and out. And it's got to be McCormack supporting for me. And I, I do like AU, but he's frustrating and greedy. I think McCormack's got to be the second striker for me. Yeah. Just just the stat that AU has had, on average, the most shots uh, of any championship player so far, and he hasn't scored yet, kind of... Uh, Eight games, no that. goals. To say a lot, and he's had 3.3 shots uh, a game and still hasn't scored. Well, a lot of people tipped him to get, to get at least 15 goals this season, to be honest, and think he'd rip up the league. But Certain other fans, other football fans have said, uh, we got the wrong AU brother, but uh, at <laughs> least ours isn't injured at the moment. We've got that. Anyway, uh, point number two, anybody? Take the second one. I think we're still embracing social media, and particularly Tony, you know. I think scouting social media for feedback on Di Matteo after every game is an interesting um, supervision and, and appraisal tactic. <laughs> and and I, do, I do look forward to him sacking him via Snapchat, probably naked. So uh, long may it continue. We started off the show uh, joking about the uh, supporters who are already uh, sharpening the axes, but it's not uh, out of the question. I don't think it's going to happen, but... For example, if Newcastle win 4-5-0 and give Villa a real hiding, what do you think is going to happen in China? (laughs) Anything can happen. Absolutely anything can happen. And uh, what's pointing towards me wondering whether there could be something quite remarkable? I mean, what what you're describing is is hopefully an unlikely scenario. But the fact that I'm sat here questioning whether he could sack Di Matteo out of the blue, whether I would (laughs) want him to to be done or not, is... Is that a concern? I'm not sure, to be honest. We we don't know, I think, is the question. But yeah, we, we, also, yeah. we also know that it's a possibility. Which Absolutely. We'll learn more about him, put it that way, in the next few weeks. He seems to be using his heart a lot when it comes to results. He uses so, his heart, and, it, and, and, and I think sentiment is put to one side, and I know it's a vastly different subject, but look at how he dealt with Petrov. Clearly the word came back that, no, we're not offering Petrov a deal. Yeah. And mm. irrelevant of what had gone before, and and I do wonder whether it might not be Newcastle, but it might be you, you look four or five games into the future. Say we're sort of middling along and say we lose two or three at the next five. Say we lose to Newcastle, lose to Preston. Well, as as I mentioned, uh, the next three games are against the top scorers uh, in the league. Barnsley as well, I think, yeah. Barnsley are the top scorers. Barnsley, I mean, that's I mean, it's remarkable in itself. But, you know, but say we come out the other side, is it 
Knowing how quite gung-ho and is it so far-fetched to think that if he doesn't get what he wants, he won't say, do you know what, I'll go and get Steve Bruce. Excuse me. Before you even mentioned his name, I was about to make a public announcement <laughs> and, and just tell uh, listeners, please uh, don't send me DMs with Steve Bruce, question mark. <laughs> because because you're not going to get a reply. You might get blocked, <laughs> but you won't get a reply. Anyway, so that, that's a, that's a bit of a surreal uh, reason to be cheerful there, Dan. Uh, My pleasure. Uh, I would go number three, uh, and you can throw anything else into the hat. I would I would say number three is we've actually lost la- less games than Newcastle. We've only lost two. Newcastle have lost three. Still better than them. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that warned him. <laughs> number four. I'll go for this one and I'll actually say that uh, there is still enough games and enough points left of the season to storm yes, the positivity. <laughs> Do what uh, I think one of the BBC West Midlands reporters has stated that we're going to, us and Newcastle are going to storm the league and we're going to finish second. So let's live in that world. That's also the world where Newcastle and Villa both finish on over 100 points. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. That, that world does not exist. <laughs> let's not lead the listeners down any uh, false paths here. But I, I fancy we'll take something from Newcastle just to uh, throw that one in there. So uh, fifth and final point. I'll take that one. We didn't concede a late goal against Ipswich. I don't know how, but we didn't. And it's we've arrested a slide. That problem yes, is over. it is behind us. So all you punks that leave 10 minutes before the end of games, <laughs> there's no need to leave now to miss the, the late equaliser because it's not going to happen. Don't well, give me that. Don't give me that bullshit about beating the traffic that's bullshit but the Stay point to is the end. all those people who have left they probably believe that we're actually top so let's not break that to them right now but so stay to the end and cheer the team on please westwood needs your support so that concludes this episode looking forward to the uh, the crunch match at the weekend against uh, the geordie nation if you enjoyed the show don't forget to uh, give us a thumbs up or rate us five stars and then you can review it any which way you want on itunes or give us a heart i think it's a heart love so- it's definitely love Give us some love. That's the way to say it. Give us some love on SoundCloud. And uh, one more thing. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to vote for us in the podcast category of the Football Blogging Awards. Please see the podcast notes or check out at Aston Villa Pod for more information. That sounded like it was pre-recorded, but actually it's live. (laughs) 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 It has a voice that sounds like uh, one of those telemarketing guys. Do you have erectile dysfunction? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Chad, do you? Someone, someone, someone of your age shouldn't. You should probably see a GP about that. Or someone, yeah. someone at your university. On that note, I think it's time to go. It's uh, goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye, Bye, Westwood fans. My old man said, "It's a me, a Galini." Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.